This is the Chronically Well podcast, episode seven, with special guest Jenny Grover. And I am Callie Dixon, your host. And I started this podcast for those of you who want to live well despite and even because of chronic illness. Um, and I started it as a blog, and I had, you know, I would interview experts and I would write really personal stories, and it just kind of, um, it just kind of ballooned. (laughs) It got bigger and bigger and then people started to interview me more. And I started getting mentioned in the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune and places like that. And it's like, no, I'm not here to give answers per se, but I am here to show you that it's possible to lead a better life Mm. that you don't like your life doesn't have to be over just because you got sick. A lot of times people think like, oh, you make a thing and that means you're creative. I think creativity is more like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's more about thinking about how we handle surprises that show up for us or how we look around at what we have in front of us and how can we use it. When you surround yourself, one, with options like this big thread wall that's above me, you feel a sense of possibility mm-hmm. and a sense of abundance in a way that we don't often feel when we have chronic illness. Okay. <laughs> when we're sick, we often feel super limited. And so um, giving ourselves some place in our life where we have possibilities and abundance and part of our brain, I think, can really get turned off when we get to a place where we just forget that good things are possible. I love to laugh and I love to connect with people and I love to help people. And when I do that stuff, it helps me feel better. Jenny is going to share with us today a bit about her history with fibromyalgia, about her community that she started over at chronicbabe.com, and also about her book, Chronic Babe 101, How to Craft an Incredible Life Beyond Illness. Jenny and I also spend a good amount of time talking about creativity and how important it is for those of us in general, but also those of us with chronic illness, how she has felt it has helped her cope and why she thinks it's important. We also discuss positivity in the chronic illness community, what that is, what it isn't, and what are some things that likely need to change. So be sure to stick around and listen to this interview. Jenny is maybe one of the most colorful uh, and pleasant people to talk to. So I think you will enjoy all she has to share. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you all today to Jenny Grover. Jenny is um, also known as Chronic Babe. She is the founder of chronicbabe.com. She is a speaker and she is the author of this lovely book right here, Chronic Babe 101, How to Craft an Incredible Life Beyond Illness. So I am so excited to have you here today, Jenny. We're going to talk about the book, talk about chronic illness, talk about all of the amazing things that you are doing. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Kelly. I'm so excited. Um, I always love to see people hold up my book. It's like such a thrill. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I bet. I I can imagine that would be amazing. Um, Well, because we are people beyond our disease and beyond our illness. Um, I'm trying to kind of start off 
all of my interviews um, with backgrounds on my guests that has absolutely nothing to do with your diagnosis. So, so if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, if you want to, what you do for a living, anything, anything you please. Okay, sure, sure. Well, I am a lifelong writer. Okay. Um, I have a journalism degree from Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism, and I have worked for a lot of different kinds of clients. I used to be an expert in concrete, and I wrote about that industry for a long time. I was was an editor at a magazine called Rock Products that was about rocks. Wow. Well, you know, I'm from Rockford, right? So. Oh my gosh. I did not know that. I am. (laughs) So I I have written about all kinds of stuff. I've written about, um, I mean, every kind of chronic illness you can imagine. I've written about quilting. I'm actually a staff writer right now for Quilt Folk Magazine. You might tell behind me. Yeah. and I'm originally from Houston, so people don't normally think of me as being a Texan. I mean, I've lived here in the Chicago area for more than 25 years, um, but I'm still a Texan at heart. I still say y'all all the time. Love, it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I, I wish I could start saying y'all, but I think it's just a little too weird. It's like a little awkward. I don't know for me. I don't know. I think you could even. I, I should just do it. Okay. Well, I really like it because it's an, it's an inclusive word. Like, yeah. Instead of, I was talking to two men about this the other day, actually. I, was saying, I asked them how they would greet a room full of women. And they said, hey, guys. And I was like, but if there's no guys in the room, <laughs> <laughs> right. maybe consider a non-gender specific word like y'all. It's way better. Um, yeah. yeah. But they were there. It's, it's a Midwesterner and a New Yorker. And they both were like, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so, you I know. know, and I'm guilty of saying you guys too. So, yeah. I've learned it from living in Chicago, but I'm trying to r- remind myself to be more inclusive in everything I do right now, you know. So. Yes, yes, yes. That's good. Y'all, y'all. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, we are going to move into the illness talk now. Cool. What is your diagnosis and when were you diagnosed? Well, I have a bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a party in here. Um, I have uh, fibromyalgia is kind of like my main diagnosis. Okay. And then, um, and I was diagnosed with that in 1997 at the age of 25. Okay. Wow. Um, so it, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been more, it's been 21 years. Um, and then I also have anxiety, depression that comes and goes. Um, hypothyroid, Raynaud's phenomenon, asthma, uh, acid reflux. Mm. Oh, there's another one in there. I'm forgetting, but you get the picture, right? A lot, a lot. A bunch of stuff going on. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, was that a shock as a 20? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm throwing in a question, but was that a shock as as a 25 year old to all of a sudden like this? Yes. Yes. Because I had been, you know, very fit, very active, um, totally a type A personality, the kind of, you know, I would go out clubbing and like dance till 3am. I would just like, I was a very active person. And then I went from that to being Mm -hmm. very inactive and having a lot of pain and all these other, you know, digestive symptoms and panic attacks and all kinds of stuff. And um, when they gave me the diagnosis, you got to remember, like, 
I, I was just telling someone this yesterday, a reporter, you know, I had a 56K modem <laughs> in an AOL account. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that was like, and they, they gave me a brochure, a trifold brochure. They always, episode. that's what they do. They give you the little pamphlet. Little tiny pamphlet. And yes. like, there was nothing. And I was like, wait a second, what is my life? This makes no sense to me. And I met all these people who had it, who were like, you're going to be disabled. You're going to be in a wheelchair. Your life will be over. You know, never mind that like your life is not over if you're in a wheelchair. But at the time as a 25 year old who'd been very active, the idea that that was a possibility for me was a total shock to the system. It was frankly terrifying. Yeah. And I, I, I was really desperate to try to get some relief. So it was, it was a really tough few years at the beginning there. I read in your book where you were talking about how the doctor even said you should exercise daily. So you're like, okay, I can do that. And then you just completely, completely wore yourself out. Because that's how I, I mean, I don't do anything halfway. It's just not, well, I'm learning to do things halfway because it's better for me. But at the time, especially I didn't. And I really you know, they said exercise every day. And I was a competitive swimmer when I was in high school. And so I was like, well, then I'm just going to swim every day. And I would go every day on my lunch break to the YMCA and swim like as hard as I could, because I felt like the harder I did it, the sooner I'd get better. But I just completely exhausted myself and harmed myself. And also, I got even more discouraged, you know, but I didn't have that kind of, I didn't have relationships with clinicians where I could talk to them about what was going on and they could say to me, whoa, you're overdoing it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. now I've built that in my life, but I didn't have that back then. So I felt like I was really alone with it. And I made some really dumb decisions. (laughs) I think, I think that's common though. I think our first reaction when we get a diagnosis like that is like, okay, now how do I fix it? And we just automatically go into whatever is within our power to do so. And you swam, you swam and you swam. (laughs) I did. I I mean, I was super, I got so fit. I lost weight. Every ounce of me was muscle. Everyone was like, you look so hot. You look so good. And I was like, I thought I was dying. Oh man. Like that's how many symptoms and how confusing it was. But I looked like the hottest. I mean, I don't think it's the hottest, but you know, people were saying like, you look so amazing. And it was like, but I think I'm dying. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) I'll die beautiful, but (laughs) that's right. That's right. Um, so tell me a little bit about Chronic Babe. When did you decide to start it? Why did you decide to start it? Well, I started it in 2005. I actually did a lot of um, research before I started it. And I did um, some focus groups to try to come up with the name because I wanted a name that embodied youth and a little bit of playfulness and sexiness, but also referenced the chronic illness. And so Chronic Babe, it's as one word as like a name of a person or a description of a person just wound up being the one that we landed on. I, I think I had like 20 different women that I talked to and we worked on ideas together. Um, and I started it as a blog and I had, you know, I would interview experts and I would write really personal stories and it just kind of, um, it just kind of ballooned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It got bigger and bigger and then people started to interview me more and I started getting mentioned in the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune and places like that and it just so awesome yeah it was so exciting it was like exciting and um and scary sometimes you know because I was like I'm not a healthcare expert and people would interview me kind of 
hoping that I'd have all these answers for them. And I was just like, no, I'm not here to give answers per se, but I am here to show you that it's possible to lead a better life Mm. that you don't like your life doesn't have to be over just because you got sick, you know? Yes, that's why I love you and wanted to have you on this because (laughs) that is just not heard a lot in the chronic illness community. Mm -hmm. And we will, we can talk more about that in a little bit, but I just, I admire that about you and yeah, I just, thank you. No, it's cool. It, people don't hear it. It's like shocking. Yeah. It's shocking that someone has a chronic illness and they still yeah. like their life. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, people have asked me so many times, well, like, how are you even able to be happy? Or how are you so positive? Or how are you? And it's like, well, it doesn't, I mean, part of it is, I mean, it's work. I work at it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not automatic. You, you yeah. swam. You swam for a very long time. <laughs> I, swam. I swam so far. It was insane. <laughs> I wonder how many miles you did. I don't uh, know. I don't know. It was a lot. <laughs> um, so what types of women do you help? Like, what would you say the types of women are that come to the blog, mm-hmm. are reading your book, and kind of how have you expanded from your blog into the sort of like the, your speaking and your other creative outlets mm-hmm. opportunities? Yeah, well, I, um, you know, I, I started writing with the idea of writing for like 15 to 40, like high school to 40. And then I aged out of my own demographic. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens, I guess. Um, You know, but so, so, I mean, I guess some of the ideas that I've worked on are, are more applicable to a broader range of women. So I now tend to serve I mean, anywhere from high school and college all the way up to like, I've had women in their seventies and eighties awesome. be part of my membership group and email me and stuff. And I mean, the way I look at it is when I started doing it, I was focused on young women because that was where I was coming from. And I felt specifically like young women with chronic illness were underserved. Um, but now I recognize that the, you know, women of almost any age encounter some of the same challenges. And so the ideas that I put out there can serve a, a really broader cross section. And I also have a good amount of men who come, um, you know, and buy the book and, and come to Facebook live chats and stuff. And that's always, it's cool. It's like, if I can help some chronic dudes, then I'm really right? excited. To do Is that, that the next know? book? Chronic dude. Oh, you know, I've thought about it a lot over the yeah. years and I don't, I feel like, I feel like a dude should do the project. Yeah, the dude should be with it. me as an advisor. You know? Yeah. Um, so I yeah. had two chronic dudes who asked me one. Like we start, we went down that conversation road mm-hmm. of would they be able to do it, but it just never kind of happened, and that's okay. I don't want it to happen unless somebody is a hundred percent in. Yeah, uh, I want. I'm going to do a little bit of a series. Spoiler. Oh, on Ooh, cool men a little bit on men because I'm fascinated by yeah yeah all of that that research so yeah all right well um I read your book chronic babe 101 um and any of you listening to this I recommend it 100 percent um it's very practical I love that you have it kind of set up as a syllabus at the beginning so <laughs> Um, people can, you see, you say you can either read through it like a book or you can kind of just pick and choose which topics you want to dive into right away. Um, 
And I love the interviews through the book. I love the practical ideas, the strategies. Um, and I wanted to really hone in because you're going to be a part of the creativity series. I really wanted to hone in on the part on creativity. Um, and, you know, just kind of how we can use creativity as a means for coping mm-hmm. and for healing with not just the... Um, physical aspects of things, but like emotional, psychological. Um, And you wrote, when your creative brain is turned on, you can start to problem solve. And I, I, that, that was very interesting to me. So can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm so glad you're asking about this because my next like big project, like enormous project that I'm working on is all about creativity. That's so funny. So I can't, I'm, I will give you the inside scoop. I'm not going to give all y'all the inside scoop yet because okay, okay. it's not out there, but later I'll tell you. I'll okay. Oh, that. good. All right. <laughs> I guess I'll probably want to pull you in. Yeah. Um, pull yeah, me in girl. I will. So, um, here, are, you know, to, to answer your question about how, when our creative brain is turned on, we're better able to problem solve. My feeling about creativity is not so much like a lot of times people think like, oh, you make a thing and that means you're creative. Mm. I think creativity is more like a lifestyle. Mm. It's more about thinking about how we handle surprises that show up for us or how we look around at what we have in front of us and how can we use it. Um, And so when we are behaving in a creative way, when we're... um, picking colors for something when we are surrounded by color like you can see up here I've got all this beautiful thread displayed and stuff um yeah so like when you surround yourself one with options like this big thread wall that's above me you feel a sense of possibility Mm -hmm. and a sense of abundance in a way that we don't often feel when we have chronic illness (laughs) because when we're sick we often feel super limited and so Um, giving ourselves some place in our life where we have possibilities and abundance and um, we're thinking about problem solving where maybe like when I'm quilting, I'm working through um, more complicated math than I've done since high school um, to figure Mm -hmm. things out, you know, and I'm, I'm using parts of my brain that kind of atrophy because I haven't done fractions for (laughs) (laughs) decades. Which one goes on top? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, (laughs) So I think that when we start to cultivate that as a practice, as a daily approach to our life, um, we start to just think more creatively. And then when surprises show up for us, we're better able to come up with ideas for coping. So um, let me think of an example. So um, today I got a parking ticket. Um, I drove to a street nearby to do a little work business and then buy a coffee and walk around. And the guy, I paid for the meter, but the parking meter person still gave me a ticket. I don't know why. Um, But I was like, okay, so what do I do with this? (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm clearly going to contest it. Right. But um, instead of just writing them a note, like I actually took a screenshot of the parking app, which I used to pay. And then I wrote a flowery note all over <laughs> it. And I folded that in with a ticket and mailed it back. And um, Ooh, I'm yeah. sure they won't make me pay it. But I was like, oh, you know, when your creative brain is turned on, you don't just go, oh, well, that sucks. I guess I have a ticket. Like you're, you think, oh, well, what do I, what do I do now? Oh, I know I can take a screenshot. Like, it turns on these abilities to just think of possibility. Yeah. 
And when we're sick all the time, we feel super limited, like nothing is what we want. That part of our brain, I think, can really get turned off. And we get to a place where we just forget that good things are possible. Um, So I think about it in that way. And I've, I've been creative my whole life. I think most people are creative at heart, but I think that we're also taught that creativity Mm -hmm. is like um, making and finishing of a thing. Yes. Um, But I think that we need to cultivate a kind of daily practice of how am I going to problem solve? Like you go into your kitchen, there's five things in your refrigerator, you know, you want to make lunch, but you're super tired. How can you get to where you're thinking more creatively and you think, well, okay, I've got olives, I've got cheese, I've got this one piece of bread. Uh, oh, I got a toaster oven. Okay, I can, you know, you can start to problem solve and come up with something that's a little more exciting than just, I guess I'll eat a spoon of peanut butter out of the jar. <laughs> right. You know, you know what I mean? I give up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like cultivating that creative energy every day, it gives you, it, it exercises your brain and gets you back into thinking about, what you are able to do and what you can do with the materials and resources around you. And that, that is not just physical. It's, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, it's also emotional. Like it, Mm -hmm. you start to think about, for example, boundaries. I was doing a Facebook live earlier with um, a little book club I'm running about boundaries. And I was talking about how we can think about boundaries as a wardrobe of clothing. I talk about this in the book too that you can imagine each encounter with a person that you're wearing the clothing that would protect you the best from whatever is going on with them. So like if you're meeting somebody who's really toxic, maybe you're wearing a suit of armor and (laughs) even it's down, right? Yeah. And when I'm hanging out with my best friend, I'm wearing like a mesh tank top and a thong or whatever. (laughs) So, you know, you can think, you can picture your boundaries, right? As your wardrobe, your protective clothes. But you've got to be thinking creatively a little bit to picture that every day. And that takes practice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, When you were talking about like specifically with chronic illness and losing that sense of creativity, I don't know, just like the word, the words like what next popped into my head because I think, because I think when you're first diagnosed, you can't think, you don't think of what next. You just think like, this is it. Like this, I'm done. I have this illness. I am whatever, like insert whatever Uh the illness is Uh here. And I think the creativity gives you that. It's like, oh, I can think what's next. Like, yeah, yeah. There is a next. I can Mm -hmm. problem solve that. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that perspective. That's yeah, sure. Yeah. Cause I think, I think people too think too, okay, well to be creative, it means I have to be an artist or that's right that's right yeah or a quilter right and that that means I have to have a studio and that means I have to buy all these expensive supplies and that means I have to wear a beret they have this whole idea gotta go to Paris yeah yeah exactly (laughs) I I do I think a lot of times people like okay I I talk about creativity a lot in my chronic babe membership program and Mm -hmm. I have this one person who a couple times has kind of showed up to that conversation and said I'm not creative at all. And I'll say, well, do you ever doodle? And she says, yes. And I say, do you ever cook in your kitchen and just like pick random ingredients and make stuff? Yes. Do you color in coloring books? Which means you pick all the colors that you're using? Yes. And I'm like, well, then you're creative. Yeah. Like you're thinking in a different way. You're creating something from nothing. That's the essence of being creative. It doesn't have to be about 
painting a painting or knitting a sweater or whatever. It could also be that you're able to juggle a bunch of complicated tasks and, or, or maybe you're able to, you know, kind of get, um, oh, what's the word? Um, Oh, see, I have, I have fibromyalgia. <laughs> <laughs> like a brain fog. Um, but I was going to say, I don't have it. I still have that. Happen. Yeah, it's not. It's not freelance. It's like, um, oh, it's like you get to improv. Mm-hmm. You know, when you build that skill, you start to be able to kind of get improvisational with your life and kind of um, pivot quickly when stuff happens. But that this one woman, a couple times, I've had this conversation with her, and I think she's really stuck. And this idea that she has to be an artist to be creative, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. I hope that she gets there because she's super cool. So, yes. So, yes, that's not what creativity is. And I like your definition. Um, what are your your creative acts? What do you do? What? Well, definitely the quilting. I'm kind of obsessed. <laughs> that, that one's kind of a giveaway if you're watching this on YouTube. Yeah, it's, the it is. I mean, so these are all things that people have made for me, which is pretty cool. Um, wow. Yeah. So I I get to do, I do like swaps with people and it's a cool way to meet people all over the world and trade things that you make. So that's pretty fun. Um, I write all the time for pleasure too. I love to dance around in my uh, office sometimes. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm a gardener. I have a. We just moved into a house, so for the first time as an adult, I have a backyard where I can Yay. build my own garden. So that's a very creative endeavor. I love to cook. Um, I love to just be weird with people, and I feel like that's kind of a creative. It is. Um, so I, um, what else do I do? I make jewelry. Um, like everything. I get weird part, right? Yes. <laughs> you do everything basically. Like if, if it's a creative act, <laughs> you do it. I try to do a lot of things. I don't knit or crochet. Okay. My wrists hurt like crazy. Oh, and yeah. I, I've had a couple different people try to teach me how to do it. And I just, I want to be able to do it so much, but I can't find a way to do it without causing a lot of pain. So it's not fun for me. So honestly, I I mean, I knit, but I haven't knitted in like years. I made a blanket (laughs) for like each of my kids and it just takes so long. (laughs) Just like by the end of it, I'm like, you know what? I just spent the same amount of money on yarn. I could have gone to the store and bought it in like 20 minutes, but you know. I mean, you want, you have to, you have to really love it. Like you have to really enjoy the process. Like one of my projects is... I'm making queen size quilt. It's hand sewn. It's out of uh, mini hexagrams, which is a really classic quilting shape. Um, And it's a project I've been doing like a little bit each week for about four years. Wow. Um, And when it's done, it'll be a queen size quilt all with one inch hexes. So they're all like this small, they're all hand sewn. And I have a friend who's like, you could machine sew that. And I said, well, yeah, I could, but I like the process. I enjoy when we're on road trips so I can be hand sewing in the car. I like Mm. touching every little piece and spending time with it. Like there's pieces of fabric that so many dozens and dozens of people have given me scraps to include in it. Um, There's pieces of my mother-in-law's hospital gown from when she was uh, passing away and we stayed with her in the hospital for a few days. Like there's so many meaningful things in there it's not so for me like that kind of creative effort it's so much more about the like slowing down in the process and enjoying every little 
aspect of it, you know? It's a, it's a story. That's what's so cool about Yeah. My, my grandpa has a quilt that was displayed at the public library. Whoa, um, cool. It was his mom, like the, their little like quilting society. They all got together yeah. and they, they put their names on there and oh, they were cool. like made out of like flower sacks, I think that they, Oh yeah. I guess that was a thing. So, um, yeah, yes. that, was, that was cool. Cause then you could just see all of the different names of all of her friends. And he was explaining yeah. who everyone was. It's just like, what a beautiful story to pass down. So that's a treasure. That's such yeah. a great thing. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. I think that that process, the creative process, like those, like thinking about those women and they all wrote their names on there and yeah. they all had a story and they all shared time together. Yeah. You know, there's that social aspect of creativity too. Um, like I'm vice president of my quilt guild. Love that. <laughs> Love the guild. <laughs> so it's the nerdiest. Um, the, best. the social aspect of it too, like the sharing of ideas and um, getting to know other people and sharing your story and helping them. And I mean, there's that part of it too, that I think those of us with chronic illness, like we, t- we can get isolated mm-hmm. and we feel like we're alone and building community, whether it's in person or through like an online group is a beautiful way to help feel more creative and more supported. Yes. I love that. Um, <laughs> So the second part of my question, you've kind of already answered, but in case there's anything else, how do you, do you feel like those creative acts impact your symptoms or your ability to cope with your illness? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I mean, there's some days when I do too much and then I flare myself up. So that's right. one kind of impact that I try to avoid. Right. But, the negative. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that the, cre- the cu- cultivating that creative lifestyle definitely helps with cognition. Mm. Um, it definitely helps with pain. Like there are times when I can sit and just sew and I get distracted because I'm thinking about what the act I'm doing. I'm not thinking about, you know, how much my elbow hurts or right. you know, how much my butt hurts or whatever <laughs> it is. Right. Um, so that, that process definitely can be a nice distraction from this crummy stuff. And especially when I'm making something for someone else, I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about our connection. Um, and those good feelings help calm me down. It definitely helped me with anxiety, uh, definitely help with pain. So there's a lot of ways that it really does help me. I love that. Love it. Um, okay. So I have to talk to you a minute about the chronic illness community. We, okay. have to, we have to go there at some point. Um, yeah, bring I, it. <laughs> I, know. I, I always like shudder because I know that I'm not going to be popular for bringing it up. But um, I just see the desire in you and in your book um, that you just want to bring as much positivity as you can mm-hmm. to those with chronic illness. Um, why is this important? And what negative aspects of the chronic illness community have you kind of tried to write with your own outlook? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, and it came up, I saw, I have a friend who's an online chronic illness advocate and we're also friends personally. And so I, she had a post the other day on Facebook and it was about toxic positivity. and I think it really clarified for me so much of what I have been trying to explain to people. Like mm-hmm. there's a difference. Like let, here's an example. If, if someone says I am really not well today, I'm really flaring up. 
and someone replies to them and says, well, at least it's sunny outside. <laughs> like some people yeah. might think that that's being positive. Right, right, right. Like discounting the experience of the person and acting like just because it's sunny outside, you should be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the same, you know, there's that, that kind of toxic positivity or that kind of like just just smile just kind of happy. attitude. Just yeah, just happy. be happy. Like, if Good. you could just be happy, you'll feel better. Like, that's bullshit. That's right. not right. right. You know? Feel um, what I'm feeling for five seconds and then tell me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the way that I approach positivity is like, for, I mean, first of all, I think I'm just genetically, despite having really weird negative family, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think like when two negatives make a positive, I yeah. feel like that can happen with me. So um, I've always been a pretty upbeat person, a pretty weird person. And so for me to suppress that would be unnatural. And definitely there are times when I don't feel it. There's right. definitely times where I'm just like, F off, everybody get out of my face. I can't yeah. do this. Yeah. Um, that's just real life, right? Like we can't all be up all the time. Um, but I do, I love to laugh and I love to connect with people and I love to help people. And when I do that stuff, it helps me feel better. So I make a real effort. Like when I show up at my pain clinic, which is full of people who are really suffering, um, you know, I try to greet every person who works there by name. And I try to pay compliments to people. Like I can tell if someone's gotten their hair done and I'm like, oh girl, your hair looks so pretty today. Or wow, kick-ass shoes. I love to see that. Like I kind of, I make a real effort to connect with people and to find something nice to talk about. It's not that I'm eliminating the other crummy stuff because I still go into my therapy appointment and sob or talk trash or whatever I need to do to work through it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also finding some some positivity. And I feel like it's it's so important for us to not discount the experience of other people or not like play it down right. just to be positive. Yes. That's fake. And that's not that's like delegitimizing the real experiences of you know people. We have to be able to feel the feelings that we're feeling and and honor an experience that we're having, no matter how negative it is, we need to be able to see that and throw a 10 minute pity party or a day or whatever you need. But also to, to understand that if we practice this day to day of trying to, you know, write in our gratitude journals or surround ourselves with color, um, (laughs) you know, that can really help us. And that's a way to use positivity in a really positive way. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, and I second the whole like be positive. Oh, that, well, that is just like the, the worst. worst. Yeah, it's yeah. like don't don't if you guys are listening to this, don't say that to someone with chronic illness. Just, <laughs> no. just don't. Just say and don't don't, <laughs> and don't, say, don't worry, be happy. To oh, me. Dear God. That's baloney. I mean, Bobby and Farron's pretty cool, but don't <laughs> I'm gonna don't be singing that. it all night. Now. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Okay. All right. <laughs> there we go. You're all gonna be singing it now. <laughs> I'll let you lead. I don't have the voice. No, I'm a terrible whistler. I should not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> we can always cut, but I think I'm going to leave that. All right. Back to the book. Um, I loved lesson five. 
learn to love your body again. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Um, I am still forgiving. I'm still in the process of forgiving my body, mm-hmm. learning to love it again. Why is this so hard to do <laughs> when you have a chronic illness? Well, I think there's an interesting foundation of, you know, Western culture that yeah. teaches women to kind of hate their bodies. Right. Like, anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that is the unfortunate foundation on which, you know, we're built, right? Yeah. So with that in mind, when we are sick, um, it is so normal for us to be angry, especially when we think about, you know, the five stages of grief as applied to getting a chronic pain diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, anger is going to be a natural part of that. But as women also, we are taught that it is not nice to be angry. It's not nice for you to go out there and like be pissed off at the world. It's not cute for you to be like, um, although maybe that was cute. <laughs> that is kind of cute. We're definitely not taught that it's okay to like be pissed off. And so a lot of times we suppress that and then we direct it inward. And so then instead of like honoring those feelings and talking them through and letting them out, we're just pissed off. And so who are we going to blame? Well, it's easy to blame ourselves. We're already taught to have that internal talk about hating ourselves. So it's really easy to go right to like, you suck body, you're ruining my life. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you limiting me in this way? Why do you look this way? It's really easy to fall into that. So I struggle with this a lot. I don't pretend to be perfect at it. I don't think anyone is. Mm. Um, But I wrote about it in the book because I think it's important. Just like, you know, acceptance or creativity, it's like a practice, like something we need to work on day to day. So um, I have tried a few things. I've tried to surround myself with people who respect themselves and love their bodies. That's very helpful. So like on Instagram, I follow a lot of body positive people. I have a bunch of in-person, you know, in, in real life friends who are very positive about their bodies, who are really chill about their bodies. I love to go to King Spa, which is a Korean spa here in Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of nudity there. Yeah. And um, it's really affirming to go into, they split the men and women for like the nude part, right? <laughs> and um it's really affirming to go into yeah. these like baths with all these women of like every age, every size, every color, saggy boobies, weird piercings, like whatever. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah. my God, it's so good. Yeah. It's so relaxing. It costs like $21 for a whole day. It's okay. rad. It's so good. And that part of it is always so affirming to me because I look around and I'm like, all these women are just here doing their thing and they don't care about the scars or the wrinkles or the hair or whatever. They're just like in their body. So yeah. I try to do stuff like that to remind myself, like a body is just the sack of goo that carries right? Out, right? So right. it didn't ask for this. It didn't, mm-hmm. it's not doing something to us. Right. It's, it's actually just trying to do its best. So I also try to remember, like when I meditate, I'll remind myself, like my body is breathing right now. Wow. Yeah. You know, my body is keeping me alive. Yeah. And Again, we got just like when we were talking about the positivity, you got to honor the negative feelings. You got to, if you feel like crap about your body, you got to say it out loud or write it in your journal or whatever and like Mm -hmm. acknowledge it. 
But then also, if you can take a moment and go, well, you know, I'm really thankful that my heart is beating regularly. Like I might have pain in my joints or um, I might have had to go to the bathroom 20 times today. But, you know, I also am able to think clearly. I was like, you have to try to find... Again, it's not about discounting the things that are bad. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Acknowledging it, but still, yeah. Yeah. Being yeah, I think that it's tough because I think that for women, especially like we just, we are built on that foundation of negative self-talk and hating ourselves, our natural selves. And so unlearning that in and of itself is a lot. And then to add on top of that, not hating our bodies for betraying us is a whole extra layer. So I think it takes a lot of practice. Yes. Yes. Um, Tell me a little bit about your sparkle list. Oh yeah. So I, you know, I made this idea um, and I use it all the time to try to just like bring a little boost to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I have a lot of things on my sparkle list. Like um, like I have a straw that has cute straws. It's a paper <laughs> straw, so I recycle it. Um, but like I always have cute straws. Love that. Um, on days where I don't feel like doing my hair, I put like a headband on, but I try to make it cute. Um, <laughs> I use essential oils. I burned some incense earlier. Um, I had I bought this big bowl of mandarin oranges to snack on. Um, you know, I try to wear cute jewelry. I there's, I, there's all these little things that I just try to do throughout my day to lift myself because I feel like if we can lift ourselves even just a tiny bit, um, then we're going to get some benefit from that. I think, you know, in America, we're all about like the big achievements, mm-hmm. you know, like you're number one, like there's no foam finger for like, you're number 12. Or, you, know, like, you don't get rewarded for like small achievements, but in this chronic illness life, the way that we can try to maintain day to day, you know, that kind of ease is like through caring for ourselves. So the sparkle list is all about finding little tiny ways that you can sparkle like just a tiny bit more. Like actually having sparkly glasses is oh, I not on my that. sparkly list, my sparkle list, but it's not really working in the light. Oh, there you oh, go. I can see it. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just try to like have little things like that around me. I'm trying to look around and see if there's anything else I can reach for. I have this cute picture of Bjork up here. Oh, that's sparkly. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) She is. Um, Usually I have my nails painted, but I'm kind of flared up. And so I am opting for chipped manicure instead. Oh, thanks. They look painted. Well, some of them are. Oh, there you go. Well, far enough away from the screen, they look dead. That's that's been my new thing. Like since Christmas, I got them done for like a party, and I was just like, you know what? I feel so good about myself with my Uh, nails done. Yes, I'm gonna keep doing it. Keep doing it. I love it. They look amazing. So thanks. They're they're kind of stupid. Like (laughs) I can't do anything with them, but (laughs) I've had to learn how to type in a completely new way. But. Yeah, you're like burp, 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 burp. contact. Yeah, I, oh my god. Yeah, I, don't, I, you know, I think um, I I think we have to find those things and maintain them. And yeah. you know the 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 other thing about that, it's good to remember, is that a lot of times when we're sick, other people in our life think that if we do that kind of stuff, if we paint our nails, then we're better. Mm-hmm. And by better, I mean like, oh, you're not like you don't have that stuff anymore, right? Um, 
And so we have to remember that we might get a little weird pushback from people in our lives. Like, but you look so good. And you look great. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It's good to practice comebacks for that, that aren't too snarky because you don't want to be like too nasty people. (laughs) Right. Because they don't know they're doing doing the best they can. That's right. That's right. They're doing the best they can. (laughs) They are. Bless their hearts. Um, oh, you pulled out the southern black. I did. It's gonna come with y'all later. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh man. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna skip a couple of questions and go to um if a chronic babe is just getting diagnosed, mm. should she rethink the dreams that she had planned? How does one walk that sort of tricky line between acceptance and then still kind of doing the things that they had hoped to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really tricky one, and I've definitely faced that in my own life because I thought I was going to be an international traveling, you know, reporter for National Geographic or something. Mm-hmm. Newsweek was actually what I really had in mind when I went mm-hmm. to J school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it quickly became apparent that I could still be a journalist, but I would not, it would just be in a different way. And so I think that, yeah. you know, when I first got sick, I couldn't, it was hard to imagine. And everybody would ask me, like, well, are you going to stop working? Like our idea, again, as Americans, like, right. so in the West, we yeah. so tend to think about it's like all or nothing, right. it's black or white, you know, it's very out. binary. Yeah. But so my advice to people who are, ju- who've just been diagnosed, or maybe they have stuff going on and they haven't gotten a diagnosis yet, they're waiting for that to happen, mm. um, is like, don't, don't throw your dreams away. Like you can probably still have a lot of what you want to do. You just may have to adapt. And I think that it's important to remember, we don't know what's going to happen a year, two years from now. You never know what, what treatment might show up for you. Like Lyrica showed up for me many years after I got sick with fibromyalgia and I'm very lucky and that it works very, very well for me. So that's one of the ways I take care of myself. But like, I didn't know that when I first got sick, that wasn't on our radar, you know, it didn't exist. Um, You just don't know what's going to happen. So it's important to remember that there's going to be lots of surprises and you're going to need to cultivate some of that creative attitude because you may have to just think differently about your, your work or your personal dreams. And, you know, I think working with um, a, a great coach can be so helpful for that um, work, working with a therapist could be helpful for that. Mm-hmm. Finding a support community of people that are like really out there doing cool things is helpful. Um, and just remembering that like every human being faces adversity and gets knocked off their path at some point, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. if they can come back around or just adjust their path and still do something really lovely, then you can do it too. I love that. And look at you. I mean, people like you, <laughs> you did it. Yeah. You're still, I, you're still doing your, I thing. try. And you know, I've been self-employed for 17 years and like, first of all, that's like five, literally five times, almost six times longer than I was ever employed by a full-time job. Um, <laughs> and over those years, my work, how my work looks, and how much time I spend on work and who I work with and how much money I make, like it has changed so many times over the course of those 17 years. Mm -hmm. But I've always been able to do the one thing that really drew me to journalism in the first place, which was to help 
underrepresented, unheard people tell their stories. Mm. So if I can figure out a way to do that in my work in some way, I don't have to travel the world with National Geographic to do it. I can do it through Chronic Babe and feature, you know, cool people. You're doing it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, we can help each other accomplish these goals. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. It's awesome. Um, Okay. So I love also in the book, the advice you give about spouse and partner relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you share just a bit about how you can give them time and space and Mm -hmm. why that's important? Yes. So if you're in a relationship with someone um, and especially if you live with them, it's very common for them to become your main caregiver. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for us to default to that. And we tend to think that that's just how it has to be. But we have to remember that our partners are human beings with their own needs. Uh, So we can't just assume that they're there to meet our every need and take care of us all the time. Mm. Um, And so it's important for us to really work hard and prioritize doing things for them too. So over the course of my life as a fibromyalgia (laughs) patient and all these other things, Mm -hmm. I've had times where I could barely walk like two blocks. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had times where I couldn't do any of the household chores at all. Um, I've had times where I've had to stop working, but I've also had times where I've been enormously productive. And throughout all of those times, I've tried really hard to take a few minutes each day to recognize my partner. So um, I'm married now to this great guy, Joe. We've been together for nine years. And like every single day, I make a point of asking him, how are you? Mm, And it's not just like, hey, how you doing? Like, whatever. It's, I want to know, how are you doing? Like, what is up with you? What have we not talked about today that you want to tell me? And just taking that time to very intentionally be present with him is so important because he may then go on and do all the chores in the house. (laughs) He might tuck me into bed when I crash super hard. We don't know. But um, also it just like, it feels good to be an equal partner. And when, when we're sick, we often aren't equal partners in terms of how much money we bring to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, as women, we earn less money to the dollar anyway, Mm -hmm. but when we are sick and especially if we're like stay at home moms who are also sick, Mm -hmm. we tend to sometimes feel like the other, like the partner, you know, our husband or our wife or, you know, whatever you've got going on they're they're bringing in all the money. And so they're like worth more in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can kind of cut ourselves down. And I think it's important for us to rethink our, our idea of worth wow. and value in a relationship. Um, so that's part of what I do too, is just try to think of like all the things that I do for him that he wouldn't be able to do for himself. Yeah. You know, like our house is so cute and, and vivacious and colorful. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Every room is pretty much. Oh, I would love to see it. it. <laughs> uh, I, I could just take you on a tour and walk you around, but yes. it's dark in a lot of the rooms. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like there's things like that that I do that he would never do and he really appreciates it. So I'm happy and so happy to do that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I like I write him little notes. 
Like I'd sneak little notes in places or, um, you know, I might cook something that I know he loves or, um, you know, we, I care for his family a great deal. And so a lot of times I make an effort to make time to hang out with his dad who lives nearby. You know, I prioritize those kinds of things. Like, even if I would rather be home quilting, right? (laughs) you know, but also it's important to recognize that that's a priority for him. So I try to put as much energy into it as I can too. Oh, that's so cool. I think like we can get a little self-obsessed neededly. So especially at the beginning, like when you're just getting diagnosed, like, Mm -hmm. sorry, like spouses, you're just, it's going to be rough because that other person has to be a little self-obsessed for a while. But I think making that cognitive, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but making the choice to actually. (laughs) Like a conscious choice. Conscious. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> Why was that so hard? Um, making the conscious choice to yeah. put an effort and maybe not just even in your spouse relationships, but your friendships and oh, yeah. um, just checking yeah. in on them too, because it does make you feel, I think, more of an equal partner, like you were saying, like if you can check in yeah. on them, like how are you yeah. doing? Like it's not just yeah. me. I'm not the only one with yeah with all the troubles, you know. Well, especially now, like I'm 46. A lot of my friends are in the same age cohort and they're now starting to have health issues. Right, right. There's this little part of me that's like uh-huh. they're done that. But um yeah, yeah like oh uh-huh. you're um, right. But but mostly I'm like, oh this is a great time for me to be of service to them. Yes. I know some stuff. Yeah. Like I have a great list of doctors. I know how to fight, you know, bad medical billing. Like I know the stuff. So, um, but yeah, I check on my friends a lot. I text a lot. Like even, I mean, there was a time last week where I didn't leave the house for three days. <laughs> it was very cold here and very yucky outside. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I texted, I tried to text like five people a day just to say hi. I love that. And it's really simple. And sometimes they don't have the time to answer, but mostly they're like, oh, hey, hi, thanks. And that's like a tiny thing you can do for someone. But if it helps them feel more loved and connected, it's like very little effort for me to do it. And it helps all of us. So the same thing with your spouse or partner, like I'll send him cute video. Like I found this video of a hedgehog stretching (laughs) on Facebook and they're so funny because they push out like a cat and they, oh, they're so adorable. And I said that to him and a bunch of people, like just silly stuff like that, you know? I love that. I have a friend that like, he never really sends me other texts, but he will send me cat videos and dog Mm. videos and animal videos and Mm -hmm. I love it. It's like, That's so great. I'm like, oh God, I have another cat video to watch. It's amazing. Don't, uh, yeah. I hope so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so who do you look up to in the chronic illness community? Are there any like resources oh. that you would tell anyone listening to sort of seek out, go check out? <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, well, I'll tell you that the first person who I ever encountered in the chronic illness community who talked about things the way that I was wishing for, mm-hmm. um, her name is Paula Kamen. It's okay. K-A-M-E-N. Okay. And she wrote a book called All in My Head. It's, I'm trying to read it over there on the shelf, but I can't read it. Um, it's about her. She has chronic daily headache. Oh, Actually, okay. I think now they the terminology is different now, but 
at the time she wrote the book, it was called Chronic Daily Headache. I mean, it's she has a she has like a permanent migraine. Um, yeah, but she's incredible. And like she she wrote this book, and it was the first time I ever read anything or heard anybody talk about what we talked about at the beginning of our interview. This idea that yeah. you can be sick and you can still love your life, mm. and that was an absolute revelation to me to meet somebody who wrote about that so eloquently. It was literally life-changing. I wrote her the gushiest fangirl letter. (laughs) And it turns out that she lives really nearby. And so she wrote me a gushy fangirl letter. And now we've met in person a bunch of times. um, She's wonderful. So I really look up to her and I, I recommend her book still to people, even if they don't have chronic daily headache, because it's a great story as a narrative, but it also is just full of like this, this energy of like, you, you're still, you still can choose to live your life, even if you're sick. And, um, I think she's exceptional. And then I think there's a bunch of different people out there doing cool advocacy stuff. You know, um, Carly Findlay out of Australia, um, her last name is spelled F I N D L A Y. Um, she's doing really amazing work. She just put out a book there. You can't buy it in the U.S., but I bought a copy from her and she shipped it. Um, there are people like Devery Velasquez. Um, you can find her on Instagram. She has, um, oh, brain fart. I can't remember what she has, but she has um, a kind of, yeah, something. She got something. <laughs> Um, and she's really fun and cute and smart and witty and, um, and endearing and very personal. So I love her. And then Jessica Jimeno, um, her last name is G I M E N O. And she, um, uh, her blog is called fashionably ill and, um, it's really cute. I really like how she's, you know, playing with these ideas of how we look and how, how we feel and how that's connected. Um, so I'm really I'm into her work and I could go on and on and on so I (laughs) I won't those are some people that I love a lot oh I love that no I'm going to be checking all of these people out probably pounding them to come onto the podcast (laughs) do it tell them tell them I sent you okay person there's this woman named Mary England and her Instagram handle is uncustomary Uncustomary. And her website is uncustomary.org. Okay. Um, and she has mental illness and she does a lot of um, self-love and self-care stuff. Okay. She has a bunch of cool, like really low cost um, courses and subscription programs and stuff. And her Instagram is hilarious. There's so many naked pictures of her wearing flower <laughs> crowns and stuff. And it's just, I love it. She's a riot. So check her out. Okay, I will. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. I love when I have homework after. An yeah, that's right. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, so we are running low on time. So we're going to okay. jump to some rapid fire questions here. Mm. I'm terrible at keeping them rapid fire, but okay. we'll, we'll do it. I'll we'll try. Do, we'll do the best we can. Okay. I'll, do, I'll do my best too. <laughs> okay, it's all right. We can, we can go a little over. Um, what is your current mantra? Oh, ah, uh, well, so I have two. Okay. Um, one is peace is every step, which I have tattooed on my arm. Awesome. Um, and it's from a book by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's one of my favorite Buddhist teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other is keep it soft. Okay. Um, and that's about like, you know, the grip on 
the outcome that you want, you need to kind of hold it lightly. Um, down to like how I hold my pencil. I have a new pen that my <laughs> occupational therapist is having me try because my grip is like too tight. I, yeah, um, I do that. Yep. So keep it soft. <laughs> I'm for those of you listening I'm just messing around with my pen <laughs> practicing with the nails yeah. okay. I like that though keep it soft okay yeah um what word do you always misspell oh <laughs> um what word do I always misspell that is a great question <laughs> Um, I think I was, I, okay. I think that is the I before E stuff still gets me sometimes. Yes. So words like receive right, and then words like weird, where it breaks weird. the rule. Weird is weird. Weird is weird. So those words always trip me up, but I mean, usually I catch it after I do it, but it looks weird. Looks weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Best movie you've ever seen? Oh, man. Um, I still think Blade Runner is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I've like the original Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Oh, okay. it's oh, so good. I have more okay. assignments now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've, I've seen it so many times and it's just a stunningly beautiful sci-fi movie. It is incredible. Oh, cool. Um, worst, worst movie. <laughs> uh it might be a Christmas prince. Oh, what is that? Which I watch <laughs> exactly. <laughs> People were talking about it on social media over Christmas, and um I was bored and so I watched it. It's just some dumb Netflix movie, and it is <laughs> the dumbest. It's so poorly acted, and the plot is ridiculous. You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't no, know I kind of loved it. <laughs> But it was a terrible movie. I've already made one sequel and there's a second sequel. No. I know. I know. The Christmas Princes. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. I, I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> it was terrible though. It was a guilty, a guilty, guilty pleasure. pleasure. I was watching it going like, why am I wasting my mind on this garbage? Like, yeah. but I still did it. You kind of loved it. You loved it. Um, which food do you crave the most? I don't know. Do you have dietary restrictions? Is there anything that like you um, can't eat that you I, wish you could? Not really. No, I, you know, I'm, I'm working on losing weight. I'm actually doing the Noom app, which is really interesting because oh, tell me about that. learn all this stuff about psychology and hormones and all these other things. It's a really different approach, but, um, so I am eating a much healthier diet than I often do. So I am just always craving chocolate cake. Mm. Like I just always want to eat a slice of chocolate cake. Me too. And if but someone okay. isn't <laughs> craving chocolate cake, I think there's something wrong with them. So. <laughs> well, my cravings are starting to go down, which is that's what's good. supposed to happen. So that's yeah. good. And it's not like, it's not like I can never eat chocolate cake again. I just, it, it needs to be a very every once in a while kind of thing, not a right. twice a week kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have one cheat day a week where I can like, like anything, yeah. anything goes. Yeah. Now I think chocolate cake is going to be on the menu this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite quote? 
Oh, I love, um, I hope I get this right. Be be the change you wish to see in this world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mahatma Gandhi. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Just, just that idea that, <clears throat> you know, you can wish and pray and hope and want things to be different, but you know, when it comes down to it, like you have to live that kind of different to, to really be there with it. So, yes. Love it. Uh, what are you currently reading? Mm, A bunch of nerdy books about gardening. Um, (laughs) like I've been reading about, um, how to plan and plant a successful perennial herb garden. Fun. (laughs) Honestly, like I, I'm just as much of a nerd. I just literally, like, I actually, I am trying to germinate exotic rose seeds. <laughs> and I just That's started that so today. Exciting. That's so exciting. And so do you have a grow light? No, no. no. Should I? Should I? <laughs> well, I, I don't know how to germinate. So the what they said in the package is just to put <clears throat> in between, like, wet paper towels the first you like oh yeah put them into hydrogen peroxide this is probably way longer than anybody wants to hear but and then you put them in a baggie and (laughs) okay (laughs) and then you put them into winter like conditions so I mean I live in northern Illinois they're just yeah outside oh okay no that makes sense yeah no I so I'm germinating seeds like herb and vegetable plants okay but they want a grow light and they want lots of water and so um, it's a different thing. So it sounds like I'm really curious about what you're, I, know. I like well, we're both growing things. That is fun. I know. Well, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> it says at the very top, like exotic roses are extremely difficult to grow. It's like, oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got to try. You got to try. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll I'm see. I'm also reading a book and I can't remember what it's called. I'm going to look and see yeah, what the ahead. official name is. Um it's so it is the first book of a series and um it is about they call it the lady astronaut oh it's called the calculating stars the calculating stars Ooh. yeah and it's a contemporary novel but it's set in the 1950s cool in a kind of alternate version of the u.s and I'm not that far into it, but I want to read it every minute that I'm awake because um, it is about a lady astronaut. And like, you never read really complex stories about women in space, not like, like, like wild sci-fi stuff, but just like, oh, this could actually have happened if like tiny things were different in our, in our universe, you know? Yeah. So um, I'm really curious to see where it goes. Uh, cool. Well, we've just got a couple more questions and I'll let you okay. get to reading it. <laughs> um, what creeps you out? Uh, when people post pictures on social media of their cuts or wounds oh, or dabs or yes. here's where they stuck me 20 times before they got the IV in. Like, I'm sorry you had those experiences. I care about you, but I don't want to see your gore. Like so not- much, so much the same. Like, I can't, I can't do it. It's just yeah. like, I could be eating dinner. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I mean, I don't know. My question is always, how does that help them? Right. Like, how is that helping them to show me like a gaping wound? Like, how is it helping you to like, there, you know, I think about it, like sometimes people really just want connection. They crave right. connection and, right. and validation. Right. And I get that, but I just wish that 
Like those are the people that I unfollow on Facebook. Like I can't look at it. So, yeah, I have to do the same. And, and sometimes it's just really sad too. Like, oh yeah, there was one where a girl had cut herself really brutally and she took Mm. pictures of it and like, just, and it was like, I don't want to live. And I was just like, oh man, it's hard. So I, I gave her like, so hard because you, yeah. I'm like, well, what do you do with this? I, I gave her like the domestic or, or the, the hotline for, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Suicide prevention. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, at what point, I mean, there's not much else you can do when you're sitting at a different screen yeah. from someone, yeah. but yeah, and, that's really hard because you feel so much compassion. Like you understand yeah. that they're really hurting and you want them to get help, but yeah. it also puts you in the position of like, you are literally helpless. There's almost right. nothing you can do for them. Right. Um, but then you're like carrying that emotional weight right. and it's, it's not like they're doing it on purpose, but that's no. what happens. But here I am like months later, still thinking about it. Yeah. Well, that's happened to me a lot with in my chronic babe work. I mean, many, many, many people have shown up to me on different phone calls, emails, you know, social media, whatever, mm. um, you know, in very vulnerable positions. And it's a, it's a strange responsibility because you feel like you're somewhat responsible, but you're actually not, but you can, you know, so I do, I, I keep a list of those hotlines and stuff on yeah. hand and resources because that's like the only thing you can do. And then besides just being like, I'm, I'm sorry, that sucks. I'm totally, my heart is with you. Like yeah. being compassionate is like the only other thing. But yeah, it's tough. Seeing that stuff is yeah. really hard. <laughs> so yeah, yes, yes. I'm with you on that one. Um, all right, biggest pet peeve. Oh, shoot. I had I had a really good one that I told my husband <laughs> and I can't remember what it is. Oh, shoot. Is it people chewing with their mouths open? Because that seems to be like everybody oh. that I have asked lately. It's like well, everybody. I, I do detest that. I think it's <laughs> disgusting. Um, no, I had a pet peeve that was so minor and it was so <laughs> dumb. Um, I can't remember what it is, but I will say that it does, like as we talked about at the beginning of the interview, it drives me crazy when people address a room full of women as you guys. You guys. It really drives me nuts. And I have accidentally learned to say you guys because I've lived in Chicago for <laughs> yeah. 25 years. So I'm trying to untrain, but I just, I just, uh, there, it's just a small thing. It's not a life ending thing at all. It is just like a mild annoyance, but it is like, dudes, you know, but women will do it too. I'll go to quilt yeah. retreats and there'll be a woman speaking to a room full of women and she'll say, hey guys. And I always want to be like, not a guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a minor thing, but I'll see male parts here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it also, because we're like understanding more as a society that not everybody is on that binary thing. Right. Too. So right. it's like, I feel like the more inclusive we can be, the better, but it's again, it's such a small <laughs> start something start. I don't know. Like well, you know, human rights campaign, they ha- they they did a series of t-shirts for a while and I have one that just says y'all means all. Uh, and it's really simple. It's just yeah. like, oh yeah, that does. It means everybody. Yeah, so we just all need to adopt that. That's right. Even especially when we say all y'all. All y'all. All y'all. <laughs> so when do you say that? Like when is that a, I don't know, I don't know. Some people will <laughs> so some people will use y'all and greet a single human being with y'all. 
Okay. Like, like in the South, like, or when I, when I would go to New Orleans and see family there, you'd walk into a store by yourself and the, you know, the cashier would say, Hey y'all. And oh. you're just talking to you. You're like, and then, <laughs> I would like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. okay. But then, then sometimes people will greet a group of people and say, all y'all. All y'all. Which Hell is yeah. hilarious to me. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's fun to say. Like that. Yep. <laughs> it does. Right. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Oh, y'all. All right, y'all. If you had the power to change one thing about the world right now. <laughs> I know. How about that for our last question? What, <laughs> what would it be? One thing. One I thing. Just one. It's so hard to pick. There's a couple of really key ones that are on my mind right now. You can uh, list them both if you want to. I'll I'll let you. I mean, I think I would change the election outcome mm. of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yes. But I mean, bigger than that, mm-hmm. like on a more global scale, um, I would love to see an end to the financial inequity that we experience as a society. You know, we have people with billions and people with literally nothing. And um, to me, it seems kind of nuts that we can't find some middle ground in there. I have so many friends and people in my life who suffer, you know, with these tiny, tiny disability checks and tiny, tiny social security checks. And every month they're living on the edge and that kind of stress is so terrible. And they're, it's like that stress and their inability to pursue other things makes them feel like they are not contributing to mm-hmm. society and it makes them feel worthless. And I hate that. Yeah. There's not many things I hate, but I really hate that. Yes. <laughs> so that's a big, that's the biggie that I would change. I like that- I like your changes. Oh, thanks. That's it. <laughs> I will second them. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Well, before we sign off here, um, I want everyone to know where they can find you. So where are some, where should, where should they go? Where, th- where can they get your book? Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. They, yeah. well, so my website is chronicbabe.com. You can also go to chronicbabe101.com and you can order the book there. Um, it's also available on Amazon, iTunes, and Barnes and Noble. Um, but the chronic babe 101 site, chronic babe 101.com has a ton of videos. It has the full audio recordings and full transcripts of all the people I interviewed for my book. Um, so there's a ton there. And then on Instagram and Twitter, um, and Pinterest, I'm chronic babe. And on YouTube, I am chronic babe, Jenny, (laughs) someone had chronic babe before I did, um, but if you just Google chronic babe, I'm going to come up a million times because I've been doing this for a while. So, awesome. um, but yeah, I love to chat with people. So especially on Instagram, cause I'm on there all the time. Like you should definitely say hi to me. Tell me you heard the interview. Uh, show, show me something cool you're up to, whatever. I'm, good. I'm here for it. <laughs> Go give Jenny some love. Yes. Um, love it. Thank you so much. This was so fun. You are so fun and oh yay, thanks. Colorful and creative. <laughs> so thank you for being a guest on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing all of the amazing things that are ahead for you. So thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. It's a real um, privilege and uh, I'm excited to share your episode with everybody with the ears. Thanks. 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 Thanks.
right. Well, thank you, Jenny. Okay, thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Be a so much for being here and for listening all the way to the end, no less. Um, I hope that you found that interview helpful. And if you did, be sure to go and check out some of the other episodes over at Chronically Well. And if you haven't left a review or a rating on iTunes, that would be so great because that's what gets this podcast noticed by more people who need to hear this message. So if you believe that those of us with chronic illness deserve to live a good life still and you believe that people need to hear a positive message like this, please um, spread the word or go over and give us those ratings and reviews. Thank you so much for being here and until next time, go ahead and live that wonderful life so well.